on, come on, church. No, no, come on, church. We're praising Jesus this morning. Man, oh man, it is great to be back here with you today. Church is Sunday. Yeah, it is F-U-N day, fun day, that we have an opportunity to come together as his body, as his children, and sing amazing praises to an awesome, amazing God, and celebrate life change through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. It, uh, does anybody notice what's happening here this morning? Come on, come on, come on. We've been praying for this. We've been praying for this on a regular basis. Those of you who are new with us, welcome. Welcome to Vertical Church. Uh, we stoked that you were here today. We hope that you, when you walk out these doors, you know how much God loves you through his son, Jesus Christ. And that points us to this light. See, this light represents someone this past week who came to the knowledge of themselves, again, I need to end my living for myself, and I need to give my life to Jesus because he's the only one that's saved. And we are celebrating a young lady who accepted Jesus Christ last week. Come on. Come on. Our mission as a church is to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. And this young lady came up, uh, it was after second service, she got up from the service, she walked out, got in her car, and she started driving away, and God convicted her, says, if you don't go back now, you will never do it. <laughs> what? Talk about the spirit working. So she went over, and she parked her car, she walked in, and came up here to the front, she turned around and walked out, found me, and started talking to me, I said, hey, can I just want to introduce you to my wife, and as she sat down, they spent... 25 minutes walking through the gospel, and she prayed with Steph, and she accepted Jesus Christ. Come on. We'll never, ever get tired of God changing people's lives. Right, church? Come on. Hey, good morning to those of you who are joining us online. We love the fact that we have the technology and team to make it possible. We wish you were here, but we also wish that you today walk away knowing how much God loves you through Jesus Church, open your Bibles if you would, Bible or Bible apps, to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 25. We'll be there in a little bit this morning. Luke 2, verse 25. If you grab an orange Bible on the way in, you will find it on page 699. 691. By the way, if you grabbed an orange Bible and you came in and you don't have a Bible of your own, please take it. That is our gift for you. We want you to have a copy of God's Word. If you don't have a Bible of your own and you walked in, you're like, hmm, what are those things? Grab one way out, right? We desire for you to have a copy of God's word in your hand because we believe it re reveals who Jesus is and how much God loves us through him. So grab a Bible. So we are just days away, church, from celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior. Come on, right? Come on. God becoming man, God coming to us, God making himself known, God revealing his plan for salvation. And man, I don't know about you, but I am ready. I have not said it once through December yet, so I'm going to say it this morning, Merry Christmas. Come on, Merry Christmas, right? We are almost there, and I am ready to come back next Sunday evening to celebrate the birth of our Savior with you as a church. You know, just again, we have three services, 3, 4.30, and 6. There are no morning services. Again, if you show up Sunday, next Sunday morning, you're going to be by yourself, or maybe someone else will show up, and you guys have a Bible study on our picnic tables out front, right? But come next week. Be a part of what we're celebrating. It's all about Jesus, right? The phrase, Jesus is the reason for the season. Come and be a part of what we're celebrating here. I'm stoked to do that with you. But to get there, we've been walking through this series called Unexpected Christmas. 
Now, right now, I'm actually reading through the book of Luke as my personal study, and I've been leading as I'm walking through up to this Christmas season, and as I'm reading this, I'm reminded that so much about Jesus caught his people off guard. We think about this, last week we talked about his family tree, like the background where Jesus came from, the people that, that he came from, his family line, and people like, man, that just doesn't make sense. But then we came to the conclusion at the end of the conversation last week that it was done on purpose. See, not only did God use imperfect people to bring his perfect son, but we realized that God still uses in people, perfect people, but that to lead people to his perfect son. They see, God uses us as his children, imperfect people, to bring them to Jesus. And that brings us to this, this morning's conversation. That truth brings us to this morning's conversation. God's plan. God's perfect plan. Amen? His perfect plan. His unexpected plan that came out that frustrated so many of his people. See, the Jews had been reading and studying for centuries that God was going to send the one that's going to change everything. He was going to send the Messiah, the Christ, and he was going to redeem his people. It was written all over the Old Testament, the, the Hebrew scripture that God had a plan. But something got lost in translation. See, what they were looking for and what God had planned were two different things. But the reality is, my friends, what was foretold is what would be unfolding in the future. And that, that this morning, means everything to you and I. Because what it tells us is God is a man of his word. If God said it, we can believe it. But what happened back then, they missed something, and I believe it still happens today. In the first century, it took place, and it still happens today. Something gets lost in translation. So this morning, we're stepping in to looking in the book of Luke, digging into this to bring some clarity to this conversation about being lost in translation See, Luke was a follower of Jesus, he did, and he did some massive research about this whole Jesus thing. He wrote it all down, he proclaimed the truth, and the Holy Spirit of God has preserved it for the last 2,000 years. And if you've ever read through the book of Luke, you see in the beginning, I love how he starts this conversation, it's, you see it in chapter 1, verse 3, look what he says, I myself, I, Luke, have carefully investigated everything from the beginning I, too, have decided to write an orderly account to you, uh, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Let's just stop right there. He said, I have done the research, and here is the truth about Jesus. What you have heard, what you know to be true, what you've been taught, what you believe, man, you can hold to it with certainty. You can hold to this truth with confidence. You can Trust it. Come on. We need to hold it to the truth. We can trust it. We can have confidence in what Luke is going to share. If he goes on and shares in, in, uh, the birth of his Jesus cousin, he goes on to share the birth of Jesus himself in chapter 2. And then we start getting into the conversation where we're going to be this morning. They take Jesus, baby Jesus, to the temple, present him before the Lord to give a sacrifice for him, it was as it was custom to the law, and there's where we slow down and step into the scripture this morning. Look at verse 25. He says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon, who was righteous 
and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Let me just stop here real quick. Um, I was walking through and praying through this passage this morning, having a conversation with God. I think sometimes we can read and go right past that part. And the Holy Spirit was on him. See, what we need to realize is this, this is before Jesus' death and resurrection. This is before Jesus' death and resurrection and Pentecost when the birth of the church. And so when you look at the Holy Spirit was upon him, we need to look at what the Holy Spirit was doing in the Old Testament because what the Holy Spirit did in the Old Testament is different than what he was doing in the New Testament. See, in the New Testament, as believers, the Holy Spirit resides in us. He is within us right here, right now, convicting us, challenging us to live more like Jesus and less like the world. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament would come and lay, come in a person for a specific reason. There's a reason that David, King David, had the Holy Spirit on him. King Solomon had the Holy Spirit on him. It was for a reason, for a season, to proclaim something, to get something accomplished for God. So it's very interesting, friends, that Luke is sharing that saying, in Simeon, the Holy Spirit was on him. In fact, if you go back and you look at the scripture, you will see, if you look at Jesus' infancy scriptures, you will see that the Holy Spirit was on six specific people. It was in Jesus. It was in Mary. It was in Elizabeth. It was in John the Baptist. It was in Zechariah. So all these things, you go take those five, start with those five, every single time the Holy Spirit was on them, it was to proclaim the Messiah was coming, right? Jesus is coming. You're the baby, you're going to give the name to Jesus. All those scriptures talk about Jesus coming. And now we have Simeon saying the Holy Spirit was on him. Now what was Simeon going to proclaim? Very interesting, huh? So that's what we need to slow down and look. God, what are you going to tell us next? Here's the truth about Jesus. You can trust it, right? The Holy Spirit was on him. Verse 26, it says, It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Simeon was waiting for Jesus to arrive. Now, the consolation of Israel means there was a great encouragement for Israel when the Messiah would come. It's kind of like a kid on Christmas. They know it's coming. They can't wait. They look forward to it. There's a time of great excitement that they know it's coming, but instead of counting the days, Israel, the Jewish people, were waiting for centuries. Instead of looking forward to gifts from mom and dad, they were looking for the gift of the Savior coming from God. Verse 27, it says, Moved by the Spirit, he, Simeon, went to the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what was custom of the law, uh, which was offer a sacrifice for the firstborn son, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes, my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. A light of revelation to the Gentiles and to the glory of your people, Israel. Let's stop there again. 
a light of revelation for the Gentiles and the glory for your people, Israel. Now, the Jewish people, Israel, they would see the world in two different kinds of people. They would see the Jews, the Jewish, the Israelites, and everyone else. And everyone else was considered a Gentile. They were not considered God's people. But what God was revealing to them was important from the grasp. Remember, Simeon was getting ready to proclaim something pretty amazing, right? Pointing back to who Jesus is. It was that salvation was not just for the Jews, it was for the world. Salvation, when Jesus wasn't just for the nation, one nation, but for all nations. Salvation is for all mankind. Wow. Now listen, if we were to put a pin here for a second, and we're to fast forward to Jesus' adult ministry, if you were to pick up your Bible, church, Read your Bibles. If you were to pick it up and you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels that talk about Jesus' life, you would see over and over in his earthly ministry how his own people responded to who Jesus was ministering to. Everyone that he was reaching out to, they thought there were people they needed to reject. Well, from what we just read, something got lost in translation. If you read the book of Acts, just skip the second half, all about the Apostle Paul. He was a follower of Jesus, his life, his journeys for Jesus. He was ministering and sharing Jesus to the Gentiles. And while you're reading the book of Acts, you'd, you'd see again that the Jews had a problem with this. Something got lost in translation. Now, to be clear, this isn't the first time they heard this. Again, the Jewish people, they studied scripture. They shared it with their kids. They're memorizing chunks of scripture. They, again, they had their Old Testament Hebrew scripture. And as I shared last week, it was all pointing to the coming Christ that would change everything. And there are several verses that share to this truth this morning. One is simply Isaiah 49.6. Look on the screen. Look what he says. It is too small of a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel that I have kept. I will also make you a light for the who? A light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the what? Come on. God, speaking about Jesus, saying what he had to offer was way too huge to think that it was all just for one small nation. Salvation is for the ends of the earth. Well, sometimes I think that we read through Scripture and we have what, um, what wives sometimes say about us husbands and parents definitely say about their kids. Uh, we have SHS, Selective Hearing Syndrome. Come on, let's be real about that, right? Come on, think about it. There's a huge difference between hearing, take out the trash... And, hey, by the way, dinner's ready. There's a huge difference between you, mean, you need to go clean up your room or it's ice cream time, right? There's a huge difference. We have selective hearing sometimes, when, even when it comes to the Word of God. And we often, we only connect what is important to us. And for the Jews, 
something got lost. God's word didn't translate well when it came to his plan. They heard it, but they missed it. The truth about the Jews that they missed is who he saves is unexpected. Who God saves, who Jesus saves is unexpected. They absolutely missed it. They, they thought it was just for them, not for the world. You know, sometimes I think as a church, we step into this season celebrating the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and something gets lost in the translation for us during this time too. Christmas has become so commercialized and twisted by our culture. It's become about parties, gifts, trees, family get-togethers, friends, lights, and events. Please understand, those are not all bad things. In fact, there's a lot of things about those things I love being a part of, and I enjoy them. But as we take one step closer to our celebration on Christmas Eve, I don't want us to miss something in translation. My hope is that God reveals us in Scripture his mighty plan, that his plan was to send his son and come and offer him as a sacrifice for salvation for all humanity. And sometimes we miss that. We make it about all these other things in our traditions. Christmas, we've got to do this, we're planning to do that, we're going to go do those kind of things. God's like, no, 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 no. Don't miss it in translation. It's, those things are good, but it's all about Jesus. It's all about the mission. See, God is very, very missional when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to church. There was a purpose that he came. Amen? And we have to have that same purpose when it comes to celebrating Christmas. We, too, have to be missional-minded in celebrating the son. We have great things that we need to do, but don't let our traditions override the mission that God has given us as a church. Go proclaim the hope of Christ. Salvation was not just for the Jews. It's not just for you. It's not just for me. Jesus came for you, me, and all humanity. Not just for the people who we like or people who are like us. Not people who believe like we believe. Not just for the co-workers we get along with. Not just for the neighbors that we're neighborly with. But for all mankind. We all have people in our lives that need to hear the hope of Jesus Christ that, that he brings. We all have people in our lives that we like. We all have people in our lives that we dislike. We all have people that we enjoy being around. We also have people in our lives that would be okay if they moved to an isolated island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. You laugh. The challenge, my friends, is not to look beyond them based on our own perceptions or what we want to accomplish or do during this Christmas season. But to look at them as someone that God sent his son for. See, who Jesus saves could be completely unexpected to us. We had no idea that the young lady was going to be convicted by the Spirit and come back next week and said, i got to give my life to Jesus. No idea. Completely unexpected to us, but completely known to him. We have no idea what God wants to do in the life of the person we just walked by in the store. 
because we need to go see someone or we need to get somewhere. That very person can be the unexpected. In your seats this morning, you have these pack of invite cards. If you go ahead and grab them, put them in your hands real quick. We've been putting these out for the last three weeks. If you have them in your hands, each one of these invites, or maybe one invite, might be the unexpected salvation that God is wanting to come through. You with me on that? The story of someone who is lost, who doesn't know the love of Jesus, that if they were to die today, they'd be spent eternity separated from a God who created them and loves them. Maybe those invites are going to invite them to come. We have no idea. And friends, I don't give these invites out to you to create busy work in your life. Like, there goes Rich again, more invites. We've got to invite more people to church. You know, I, I don't like busy work. Ask, ask any of my seminary professors. When I saw busy work on my syllabus, I was like, yo, can we talk about this? I don't want extra things to do because you need to fill my time, right? I don't, that's not why I give these out to you. I give this to you because, friends, this is kingdom work. I give these to you to, to challenge you because I know, and let's, let's be honest, you know what the power of Jesus can do in someone's life. Come on, amen? What can it change? How he restores, how he heals, and the joy we experience every day because you and I, as his children, walk in hope. There are people right now in our lives who will not experience that this Christmas season. So I want to challenge you to go out and hand them out. I understand inviting people may be awkward, but we don't know what that invite will do. We don't, but he does. Last week I shared how I got pulled over, right? God gave me an opportunity with, to handle an invite card to the, the sheriff of Gibson County. Yesterday I was at Walmart. I stopped the state trooper. I didn't get pulled over. I stopped the state trooper and had him an invite invite him to come to church. You have no idea what they're going to do. Maybe this next week, as you're going about your day and you're preparing to come back and celebrate, and you walk by someone that God has given you opportunity to share that invite with, Maybe we stop and say, maybe say it out loud, lost in translation. Lost in translation. Say that with me. One more time. Don't let that be you. Be missional this season. Simeon revealed the purpose of Jesus' coming was for all mankind. And God gives us opportunities, no matter where we are, to invite someone to come and hear the message of hope. Let the reminder for us that we may have missed it. And give us the opportunity to invite them to come. So what I want to do real quick this morning, if you've got those invites in your hands, 
you put them in your hands. We're going to pray real quick. We're going to pray. We're going to pray over these invites and asking God to give us an opportunity to hand them out. And may one of those, or all five of them, be the unexpected salvation for Christmas. You with me? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are, your love for us, that you loved us so much you sent your son to this world to die for us. We thank you for the reminder of this season that he came not just for one group of people, but for all people. That salvation is for all mankind. And God, as we look forward to next Sunday, coming and gathering as your church to celebrate the birth of our Savior, that understand that you were very missionally minded when doing that by sending your son, may we be the same. God, the invite cards that we're holding in our hands right now, may they get into the hands of people that need Jesus. May they be your Holy Spirit, convict them to come, like the young lady last week, and come and hear the message of hope and give their lives to you. May we never miss an opportunity. May we never get lost in translation that salvation is great for us as we celebrate this year. May we use as an opportunity to point people to you the perfect son of God, that you're still using imperfect people to do just that. We love you. We worship you in your son's name. Amen. Continue verse 33. It says, A child's father and his mother marveled at what was said about him, about Jesus. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Let's stop there again. Could you imagine if you were Mary and Joseph? You, you at one point heard that their son, your son is going to be the savior of all humanity. You mar- they marveled over it. They're like, oh my word, I'm completely blown away that God's going to do this through us. And then you hear that he's going to be the cause of a rise and falling of many. That Jesus was going to be a great divide. That he, their son, was going to be spoken against. He would not be loved, but be rejected by their people. Now, if I was Jesus' parent, and I'm sure that he's very thankful that I wasn't, um, but if I was his dad, I'd be saying, you know, uh, Simeon, um, can we just talk for a minute? Because you know, I've been hearing some stuff about when Jesus was born and, and, the, and the, the angels showed up at the shepherds and, and it was glory on high and the angels were singing and, and everything was beautiful and the peace on earth. and What, what happened to all that? You with me on that? Because that's what I'd be saying. You know, peace on earth, goodwill to who his favor rests. It would be great joy, good news. I'd be pointing back to like, remember that stuff that was said? Can, can you explain this to me? Well, again, the unexpected. Not only who he saves is unexpected, but how he saves is unexpected. Once again, something could get lost in translation. God's unexpected plan confused them. The Jews thought the Messiah was going to show up and it was going to bring the Jewish band back together. You know what I'm saying? 
Everybody loves a reunion tour. Everybody loves it when the fans, the crowds, the groupies, they go crazy for these kind of things. In fact, just the other day, a couple weeks ago, Steph shared with me that there's a concert coming up, uh, I think down somewhere maybe in Indianapolis, Paul Abdul, New Kids on the Block, and DJ Jazzy Jeff. Um, some of you are like, who are they? And some of you are like, oh man, come on. Let me just tell you, it's not New Kids on the Block anymore. It's more like grandparents on the block. Um, but people get so excited when there's reunion tours. We're going to bring everything back together. It's going to be the good old days. Come on. See? See, that's what the Jews were thinking. They were thinking that, okay, God's going to send the Messiah. He's going to come and we're going to bring it all back together and bring all those people back together and everything's going to be right as rain because they were looking back when the tabernacle and God's presence was right there, looking back at the temple and it was going to be absolutely amazing. Remember God's people? That's what they were feeling and thinking. The reality is Jesus come, did come to bring unity to his people. But this time, the band would look a little bit different. Salvation has always and always will be based on faith alone. All those before Jesus were looking forward to the cross, knowing and believing and surrendering in faith that the Messiah was coming. And for us, and for the past 2,000 years, we have been looking back to the finished work of the cross, knowing, believing, and surrendering our lives by faith. Salvation, friends, is by faith alone, by in grace alone. Unexpectedly, Simeon tells us that Jesus will be a divider. That dividing point is faith and a life surrendered to him. If you were to jump forward to Luke chapter 12, you would read how Jesus says that he will bring division among families, parents and their kids. That Jesus is the stone Right, Second, First Peter chapter 2, we walked through the last series, that the builders rejected, that some will stand on him and reach the heights of heaven, others will fall on him and be broken and destroyed. Friends, not everyone ends up in heaven as so many think. The only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And what you do with Jesus is the greatest dividing line of your life. In fact, I can say it this way. What you do or don't do with Jesus is the greatest dividing line in your life. Jesus came to divide. We have to choose. He also came to die. That little sentence at the end of where Simeon was speaking to Mary, tells us that the cost would be very personal and very painful. A sword that will pierce your own soul too. See, when Jesus died, Mary stood by helplessly watching her son's death. It would be the most painful event in her life, a sword piercing 
her soul. Mary's not God. She's not a co-redeemer. She's not even someone to be worshipped. But our sin did cost something. Her son caused her great pain. Great pain for God and all the others around. The women were there, his disciples. And I'm sure even the angels were pierced, seeing their Lord bleed to death on the cross. Friends, our faith is extremely personal. Our coming to Jesus, our walk with Jesus, extremely personal. And if you're here this morning and you have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, man, today's the day. But it should not stop us from living on mission on one of the two greatest days we celebrate as a church a year. It should not. So I want to encourage you this morning. Don't let the Christ of Christmas get lost in translation. His plan was an unexpected one. Who he chooses to save is an unexpected one. How he chooses to save was an unexpected one. But it's the greatest act of amazing grace we will ever see. He came for you. He came for me. He came for all humanity. And what we do with that truth as we walk out those doors is up to us. We will take the opportunity that God gives us or we absolutely miss it. You with me, church? Like, Rich, come on, that wasn't such a great Christmas message. We need to point it back to Jesus every single time. And as we celebrate, I would love, love nothing more to hear that someone celebrated new life in Christ that night. You with me? You with me, church? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for making it real this morning through the power of your Holy Spirit working in your people, proclaiming the coming Messiah. Thank you for using Simeon to do the exact same thing, to, to not confuse the mission that you have given us. That there is people in our lives next door to us in our homes, the cubicle across the room, the desk next to us, a locker in front of us. There are so many people in our lives who don't know you, Jesus, and we pray for them right here, right now. Let these invites hit their hands. May they come and hear about the message of hope and may they give their lives to you. That's the mission you've given us as a church. And may we never deviate from that truth. May we make this Christmas season completely about you. Right now I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward.
I also understand that sometimes Christmas is a hard time, a hard season for some. And there's things that we walk through on a regular basis that we're struggling with. Man, if you need prayer in your life, you've been holding back this Christmas season because you're struggling on something, come forward and talk to our prayer team. We love you. We want to pray with you. We want to lift you up to Jesus and ask him to work in your life in a mighty way this morning. Don't walk out those doors carrying a burden that you shouldn't carry. Come forward and talk to our prayer team who will be right up front and ready for you. And if you're here this morning, you're like, okay, Rich, you talked about salvation and Jesus' only way to heaven. I have not done that. I'm going to encourage you to be courageous and to come forward and give your life to Christ. Don't walk out those doors unless you make it right with Jesus. He's waiting. It's not about being worthy enough. None of us are worthy. It's about his love poured on that cross and conquering the grave. Don't walk out. God, we thank you. We so look forward to next Sunday as we come and sing amazing praises about the birth of our Savior. Fill your church. May we raise the roof and you get all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless, church. Have an amazing week. We'll see you next Sunday night.